0: I I suppose all of us know that relationships are central in our lives. They shape us, they define us, they either lift us up or they drag us down. Relationships either extremely encourage us or they can do a great deal deal of harm in our life by discouraging us. We draw our greatest joys from relationships, and we draw our deepest despair from relationships. And as we look at relationships over the next few weeks, I'm going to call each of you to some personal accountability, because the the tendency is to... When you think about problems in your relationship more than in any other area of your life, the tendency is to blame the other person. Folks come to me uh, from time to time and say, we've got this issue in our marriage. And if it's the wife who calls me first, you know what she'll say? Man, I hope you can fix my husband. Uh, If it's the man who calls me first, he, he will say something like, I've tried and tried and tried to do something with her and she won't listen I hope you can fix my wife if it's a parent they'll call and say man I've got all sorts of problems with my kids and we need to we need to shape them up if 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 uh, uh, somebody calls and says you know I'm having a hard time dealing with my parents guess what they say man they're terrible to me they're ruthless we need I need help If somebody calls and says, I'm having a hard time with my preacher, I say, you need to shape up. (laughs) It's it's always somebody else's fault, isn't it? Right? And uh, we're going to look at the the classic scenario in the scripture of a couple who neither one of them quite got it right and they had each other to blame. We're going to look at King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Jezebel is synonymous with what? When you hear that name, what do you think? Evil. Don't say any bad words, please. All right? She's synonymous with evil. And uh, in, in 1 Kings 21, the story of an event in Ahab and Jezebel's life, really their demise uh, takes place, and, and you go home today and, and read this chapter over, and you 'll uh, relive some of the truths that we 're going to talk about, but we 're going to start at the end of the chapter, and then we 're going to work our way to this place i 'm going to tell you the end of the story here, and then we 're going to go back and start over at the beginning. In, in, in chapter twenty one verse twenty five, it says this: here here 's the ultimate truth: there was no one, no one. What's no one mean? No one, right? No one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Nobody worse. And how did he get there? It was the woman's fault, right? Maybe not, but Scripture says because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Guys, I have a question for you. Look at me right now. If you are of the male species, there's a question for you. Are you one of those kind of guys who are very, very aggressive and excited about your work? You really want to succeed, you do the best you can. Maybe you're aggressive about being retired. Maybe you've got hobbies that that you love and you pursue passionately. Could be hunting, could be fishing, could be golfing, could be sitting at McDonald's from 8 in the morning till 10 telling lies. I'm not sure what it is. But you pursue stuff outside the home aggressively. You one of those kind of guys? Then when you come home, you just sort of shut down, You're sort of passive. Your wife says, get out of the recliner. You say, what for? There's a decision to be made. What do you say? You just do it. You take care of it. Kids are acting up. You take care of it. You just kind of shut down. And so while you have this really structured, maybe aggressive life outside the home, when you come home, it's somebody else's job. You kind of shut down. Now, ladies, you look at me for a minute. Are you one of those kind of women who... uh, you remember the statement, if mama's not happy, nobody's happy? Remember that statement? You know, you get your way somehow, some way, you uh, find a way to control the situation. i tell you what works on me. When somebody starts to, a lady starts to cry, I'm blubber. You know, if you start to pout or, I mean, whatever you've got to do to manipulate the man, you know how to do it. I didn't see any hands come up there. Looks like we're getting into a delicate topic here. A delicate topic. Well, because nobody here has either of those problems, we may not identify as closely as we would like to with Ahab and Jezebel. But I do suspect that, that even though we don't want to admit it in church that there are some of these things that happen and undermine our relationships. A fellow and his wife went to the to the mall one day, and when they got into the mall, they, they noticed that there was kind of an event for men in the center of the mall, and, and men were asked to get in one of two lines. Either the line which said, which was identified as henpecked husbands, or the line which was headlined by the words, Husbands Who Are in Charge. And as this man was standing with his wife trying to determine, he noticed that the henpecked husbands line was really long, 50 men or more, and that the men who were in charge line had one man in it. He wanted to decide properly, so he went over to the man and said, Why are you here as opposed to being over in the line with the henpecked husbands? And the man said, my wife told me to come over here. (laughs) And sometimes life's that way, isn't it? And it was in the life of Ahab and Jezebel. Go back with me to the scripture. We're going to begin in verse 2. Here's what it says. Ahab said to Naboth, spoke to Naboth, saying, and Naboth is his neighbor, by the way. Give me your vineyard. That I may have it for the vegetable garden because it's near to my house. It's next to my house actually. And for it I will give you a better vineyard than it is. Or if it seems good to you, neighbor, I will give it to you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. So Ah Ahab went into his house sullen. And displeased. Let me give you another word for that. Pouting. Because of the word which Naboth, the Jezreelite, spoke to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed. Listen to this. This is great. He lay down on his bed. I've never been this sad. Turned away his face and wouldn't eat food. That's bad. That's terrible. Ahab represents here the classic, passive, and I could use the word baby, husband. But if you look at his life, it's not really consistent with who he was. He was a powerful king. I mean, anything he spoke had to happen. He was the king. Uh, For 20 years, he ruled over Israel... From 875 to 855 B.C., and in every other way, the kingdom seemed to flourish. But Ahab made a couple of critical mistakes. Even though the kingdom was flourishing step by step, choice by choice, decision by decision, he was leading the people away from God. Because he had married a woman who had no godliness in her. And under the uh, manipulation, under the influence of Jezebel, passive at home, Ahab became the guy who the scripture said had more evil in him than anyone who'd ever lived. Ahab represents the classic passive husband. Now, I want to say this about male-female relationships, and I want you to understand as we get into this sermon, number one, I'm not married, and I'm good with that, (laughs) because I can remember some of the things that happened in my life when I was married. I learned everything I needed to know during those times. may happen again someday, and I'll be a better husband should it happen. So I speak from a little bit of a different perspective than many of you. I also am not a male chauvinist. I esteem women higher than men, to tell you the truth. Uh, I'm not against either one of them, but I'm certainly not the kind of guy that would say men are more important or more powerful or whatever than women. Or women are smarter than me. I don't draw those distinctions. So if you send me cards or letters about what I've said today, you just remember this disclaimer. Okay? When a, a man is involved with a woman, if he is a weak in spirit or a weak in, in, in fortitude individual, a woman has the capacity to either make a weak man stronger, a a a bad man better or she has the capacity to literally make a weak man weaker or worse and in the case of Jezebel and Ahab she had a canvas to write on and she literally drew the ugliest picture that she could possibly draw now this story is kind of interesting and and i I don't have a vegetable garden. I don't understand why Ahab, you know, that's what he looked over and wanted. It's kind of a vegetable garden. And if you're a guy and you have a vegetable garden, forgive me when I say this, but it kind of seems like a girly thing to me, right? You know, if I was going to grow a garden, it'd be a garden. It wouldn't be just a little vegetable garden. I'm not going to grow a garden, by the way. But if I was, that's what I'd do. And, and men sort of do girly things from time to time. Do you notice that, ladies? Let me give you some examples. First of all, we'll start with a vegetable garden, but I've got some pictures here. You ever see a man use facial cream or mud? That's kind of a girly thing. I'd rather have a pimple than that, wouldn't you? Uh, Manicure or pedicure? Guys, if you go to a spa, I'm concerned. What about guys, and I'm not talking about Chris Riddle, who use too much hair products? (laughs) Kent, if the hair product business depended on you, they'd be sunk. Men who cry at movies. (laughs) I cried at the Titanic. That got me. I admit it. Men who have tea parties. (laughs) Well, sort of, kind of all fits together, this vegetable garden deal, with Ahab's passive husbandry. In other words, it wasn't he who was in charge of his household. It wasn't he who was making the decisions. Jezebel represents the controlling wife. Listen to what she does in verses 5 through 7. Jezebel, his wife, came in, found him uh, face down in the bed, hungry, you know, pouting. And she said to him, why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? Now, that's the Bible cleaning it up. What she said to him, ladies, is what you would say to your husband, get up, you big baby, get up. He said to her, I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money or else I, if it pleases you, I'll give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, Can you just hear the whine in his voice? I will not give you my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Hey, dude, don't you remember, you're king. If you want the vineyard... The vineyard is yours. Arise, eat food. You think they really talked to each other like that back in the Bible days? Arise and eat food. I don't think so. Get up. Cheer up. I will give you that vineyard. I'll make sure it happens. She made sure that she was going to do whatever she needed to do, which in my mind, if it was me... I would have done it myself. Now you see a couple of things happening in the spirit of Jezebel here. First of all, in, in order to uh, uh, make sure that she maintains the kind of relationship that she desires with Ahab, she has to keep him down. So the first thing she did was she began, and even in this conversation and I'm sure in thousands of others, to belittle him with her words. Now that's not just a female over against a male thing, is it? All of us use our words to wound and destroy. I, I talk to people in relationships about their arguing style. And, you know, do you actually ever reach a conclusion when you begin an argument or a compromise? Is there a set plan? But what happens in most of our arguments is 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 we just use that time Either to get historical where we talk about everything that's ever gone wrong or hysterical where we just go crazy or we just get flat mean and say the worst possible things that we can say to each other. And I believe consistent with this relationship between Ahab and Jezebel was a constant nagging and badgering and belittling. Listen to me, ladies. No man ever crawls out of a barrage of negative words a better man. Listen to me, guys. No woman ever rises above where she's at because you belittled her. So many times in relationships, we say so many foolish, stupid, hurtful, angry, wounding things that are never forgotten and never taken back she belittles him with her words I like this next point she just takes over she just takes over in verse 7 I'll do it I'll make it happen if you're not man enough if you're, you're such a wuss I'll do it I cleaned that word up I will just do it well After that, she did exactly what she said she would do. She takes over. Relationship gets no better. Matter of fact, fact, things start to deteriorate because Ahab refused to step up and be a man. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about... Scripture and what it says about the husband's call to lead. We've all read the passage in Ephesians where it talks about wives being submissive and husbands treating their wives as Jesus did the church. And and, and when folks like to preach from that uh, particular passage, uh, many, many guy preachers who I know make sure that they hammer on the wife being submissive. Now, I'm not stupid enough to do that. But here's what I want you to understand, that submission or following happens in the midst of good leadership, and good leadership as defined by the scripture is a husband's willingness to follow God. I'm not crazy enough to tell you this morning to follow somebody who's not following God. And I'm not crazy enough today to say to wives, you need to submit yourself to an idiot. Amen? Come on, guys. This is not an easy sermon for me. I need your help. All right? The fact is, though, that each of us in the family have been called into certain roles. And there are many, many areas where the husband, scripturally, is to provide leadership. I want to give you three of them today. The first is the husband should be the provider. Now, I know, as I say, the husband should be the provider that there are all sorts of different kinds of relationships uh, represented in this room. There are some of you, like me, who aren't married. Many of you are single moms or single, uh, single again, and, and you're alone, and you'd say, Well, I wish I did have somebody to provide a little bit more for me. And I have the utmost respect for for ladies who are in the marketplace working and providing and giving and sharing and and making ends meet. Ultimate respect. And I'm not sure and I don't even believe that when we talk about the husband being the provider that we're saying the guy ought to work and, and, and the woman ought to be home barefoot and pregnant. I don't believe that. What I do believe this is that the husband should set the tone for provision in the house. He should set the tone for uh, good stewardship. He should model a work ethic in the house. That he ought not just step aside and say, it's your deal. It's your deal. He ought to be in the midst of providing. Secondly, he's the protector He's the protector. Now, I'm not talking about going Rambo here. Now, I'm not talking about setting up a militia in your basement. Uh, I'm not talking about bearing arms and making sure that anybody that gets near you, you blow away. It scares me to think that some of you could shoot me right now. But the fact of the matter is, what I'm talking about is the husband ought to do everything that he possibly can. And really, in reality, the wife should respond with this activity, to protect one another's hearts, one another's dignity, one another's status. You see, what happens so many times, rather than protecting uh, one another, we tear one another down. Number three, husband should be the pastor. Now, that doesn't mean that he's going to go on salary, here at the church we're pastored out here right doesn't mean that at all what it does mean is a godly husband should be an example of Jesus Christ a godly husband should understand the scripture and do his best to live it out A godly husband, godly father, godly man in any situation should be an encouragement to his wife and to his family's faith. I don't really believe that any of that requires submission. I don't think it requires a great leader. I think it requires a godly person. And I want you to know that if that doesn't happen in your house, there will be a vacuum, there will be a void. And your relationship will be less than it should be. Bottom line of all of this in in relationships, whether whether you're the female or the male, that God instructs you to do certain things, that God asks you to be an encouragement, someone who, who lifts up their family to Him. And if you don't do these kind of things, relationships will be destroyed. Hearts will be broken. Lives will be altered. And that's why, and I want you to write this down, God holds the husband. In fact, he holds everyone accountable. Here's the rest of the story in verse 15. You knew this couldn't come to a good end. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, That she said to Ahab, Arise, take take, uh, possession of the vineyard, which he refused to give you. For Naboth is not alive, he's dead. She had him murdered. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead that he got up and he went down and took possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. The word of the Lord came to Elijah the prophet, saying... Arise, go down, and meet Ahab, the king of Israel. He's in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth. He's gone down. He's took possession of it. You will speak to him and say that this is me talking. Have you murdered Naboth and took it his, had taken his vineyard? And you shall say to him, in this place, Where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs will lick your blood, your blood, Ahab. And Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? I have found you, Elijah said, because you have sold yourself to evil in the sight of the Lord. And I'm going to bring calamity on you. Take away posterity. We'll cut you off from Israel in every way. You see, I don't know the despairs or through the depths of where a negative relationship will take you. I don't know how low you feel, how desperate you feel today, but I know what happened to Ahab and to Jezebel. And I know that their determination that they were going to do whatever they wanted in any way, form, fashion, rather than listen to God, and that the the mixed-up jumble of a marriage that they had just contributed to that scenario. I don't know what that means in your life, but I believe God makes it very clear that if it leads you towards evil, there'll be a price to pay. Bottom line of all this underlying truth is that you'll never have the relationship you want. You will never have the relationship you want without giving God control God made it clear what it should look like God made it clear how you should treat each other God made it clear that the husband as well as the wife they're accountable for making their spouse a better person you're accountable for making your children better people you're accountable for caring for and loving and lifting up your parents you're accountable for making me a better guy, and I'm accountable for loving you as your pastor, praying for you. And when we cease to do these things, when we start to become people who, who, who manipulate and, and who demean and who belittle, we destroy the fiber of what God intended. And the dogs take over. That dog inside you takes over. Can I encourage you today to step back and consider who you are and what you contribute to the lives of those you claim to love. How dedicated you are how important doing the right thing is in your life. And how much your life honors God. In just a moment, I'm going to encourage couples, singles, anyone that has a burden in their heart to come to this altar... And say, God, give us the strength to find truth and to live out truth. Give us the strength to love each other as you intended. To come to this altar and start a new journey today. A journey that will end in a far better place than Ahab and Jezebel's journey. Would you pray with me? Father, this is not easy to talk about. Because all of us have have been so, so deficient in this area. We've said things we shouldn't have said, done things we shouldn't have done, broken a heart, found ourselves empty. We failed you. You said do it this way and we did it our way. And it led to misery, hard to talk about, tough to admit, but nothing changes if we're not willing to acknowledge it. There's no mercy, there's no grace, there's forgiveness, no forgiveness if we don't come before you and ask and admit our need. And Father, I let this place today, I pray it would be a place of repentance place of life change, a place where your power, your mercy would rain down on us right now in Jesus' name.